So um, this evening, I'd like to share with you uh, some reflections on the theme of the practice of contentment. So, don't know how that strikes you. <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, interesting. I find in very interesting process in, as you know, sort of reflecting on a theme and uh, interesting to to notice um, how it, it, it feels like a very lovely theme to ponder upon. And I think it's such a wonderful practice, um, maybe part of our retreat in different ways in our life. You know, you pick up a theme and you kind of, you kind of carry it around with you for a while. And uh, I think this contentment theme is like, it's, it's kind of, I've noticed it's, apart from the trouble of, oh my goodness me, what am I going to say? And I don't know and I don't understand, which of course is part of the process. There's <laughs> also like, oh, contentment. It's felt like carrying around something kind of lovely to, to sort of contemplate. And I suppose it's always, isn't it, that everything that we that we learning is like always learning. I don't, I, don't, I don't, you know, I'm just sharing some reflections. I don't, I don't know, but <laughs> we share some reflections and we listen to some of the Buddha's teachings and we ponder them. And there's that sense that, you know, it really came to mind that quote from the Buddha of when he says, you know, what we most frequently think about and ponder upon, that becomes the shape of our mind. Yeah? Maybe, is that, I think that's right. Maybe the inclination of our mind perhaps is more accurate. And I think that's, that's for someone, self-avowed, aversive type, if such a thing exists. Of course, we hold these, termina these uh, terminology very lightly. Um, I, one of my nicknames used to be the malcontent, and, uh, <laughs> which I was named by my husband, actually. <laughs> and actually, I was, when I was preparing for this talk, you know, I mentioned my theme, and I said, do you think, am I making some progress? Because if anybody knows, you know. And he said, yeah, yeah, I think you are. I'm making some progress. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Result! Yeah, so... There's something that I can see, and, and, and perhaps for all of us, since we're all, you know, prone to this dukkha phenomenon, right? Dis-ease, discontent. And uh, that, that there's, to, to me, maybe, you know, contentment, maybe it, 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 maybe it, it's, it used to sound like something very, very remote. And... Uh, now maybe it feels more possible and maybe something that actually I'm kind of living into because for me I think I find I, 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 it's an aspiration and um, maybe it's not very dramatic because it's not very kind of glamorous you know there's more glamorous aspirations aren't there but again as I was talking about last week it's like really honoring you know what, what it is for us maybe different periods in our practice and our life to, to be really honest about our actual, you know, that heart's desire, 
our heart's real actual longing. So just picking up a little bit on that theme from last week. And um, so just to see for you again, as always with these offerings, it's like a real invitation. Just let it go in one ear and out the other and maybe nothing happens. Fine. <laughs> and as if there's something in there for you, again, that listening, that kind of spacious embodied listening in which we allow our intelligence to kind of trust that it will take in or kind of resonate with what it needs to resonate with, you know, which I think can happen sometimes sort of not almost below that level of rational thought. So as I did last week, I wanted to offer a kind of a summary, a little potted version of the talk. So again, if you forget everything else or you don't have to listen to the rest of the talk, but so I'm giving you this kind of one sentence summary. <laughs> and I will try this. So this is something that I think was said um, by Ramdas, who's a great teacher, who probably many of you know, wrote a book on contentment. And I think I heard James Baraz, a teacher in California, talking about asking Ramdas, well, okay, give me a, you know, give me a little summary. Or, you know, what's the book? Give me the essence or something. And so Ramdas said, Plumb the depths of this moment. I love that. Plumb the depths of this moment. So, I mean, that's the practice of contentment. You know. But tradition, you know, so I'll speak a bit more. It's, <laughs> it's about as much entertainment as you get around here, isn't it? So... I'll do my best. You know, Martin Batchelor, one of my teachers, as some of you may know, you, you would sometimes refer to this as the, the floor show. <laughs> so I feel like it's also, as we, when we gather in this way, I had this image today when I was reflecting, it's kind of like this image of us gathering around a, a little campfire, you know, kind of warming our hands together on the beautiful kind of life, the life of the Dharma, the teachings of the Buddha. And uh, so I invite you to enjoy the campfire with me. So my sense is that what, in terms of the Buddha's teachings, as I reflected on this more and more, I was like, well, what is contentment? It's kind of like a koan, isn't it? You could... A wonderful koan practice, kind of invent your own, you know, as you, sort of the creative part of practice. Like, what is contentment? You know, it's like, it's so, what is that? And, and so, part of the exploration, then it was, hmm. and my sense is what I'm, my understanding is, is that it's actually really about a wise view or wise understanding. It's like a shift in view, a shift in understanding where we're or how we're looking for happiness, contentment, well-being in this life. Yeah? It's like another way in which the Buddha is saying, try over here. <laughs> it's like, you're trying over here, how's it going? How's that going? No, well, how about over here? Yeah, it's like a very radical shift in view of 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 
what it means to be, you know, I know, okay in life. Again, why can't that be a beautiful aspiration? Again, not very glamorous, but just to be content. Wow, that's quite something. But um, so the kind of happiness that perhaps is not so much about um, conditions being the way I want them to be. And, and the more I reflected on this, the more I sensed, well, okay, so we're also, it's maybe helpful to reflect on contentment or kind of what we might call worldly contentment. And sort of, what is that? And yeah, you know, and, and how that's different from what the Buddha is sort of pointing to. And I think of worldly contentment as like a really good curry, you know. I don't know what it is for you, you know, I read different things and you just go, yeah. Or like going on the Eurostar train from England into France, it's like, shoo, goes so fast. And I'm like, yeah, there's something very satisfying in that. So these kinds of contentments that, you know, can't they run our life? I'm going to say a bit more about this a bit later, but they're so... It's like, and we see it on retreat, don't we? You know, this sort of, kind of, the search for, you know, the comfortable place. And we just, and, and can we, again, isn't it, it's kind of that wisdom that we keep having to kind of come back to or question our sense of, where do I think I'm going to get to? You know, what's... So, so being able to enjoy the curry, nothing wrong with that, isn't it? So, so to be careful about this not being kind of a judgment. It's just the, seeing the limitation of that, those, those, those momentary pleasures and satisfactions that are so, so fleeting, such a, such a lovely part of life in some ways, but also um, such a... Oh, a a morass, or a, I think in the Buddha you said like, oh, what do you have a lot around here? A low-lying marsh, you know, marshy ground that you sort of get stuck in. But also felt important to highlight this sense of the, the contentment. You know, it can have that maybe um, like the shadow of it, or you know, the like what's called the near enemy of the Brahma so It sort of looks like contentment, but actually it's something else going on like passivity or um oh putting up with oh well you know what can you do you know that's how life is hmm. what's that yeah it's different isn't it it's kind of got aversion in him like kind of despair or something and and how I, maybe for some of us that can be quite a, a sort of interesting distinction to make like what's because I think I can see in my conditioning, perhaps, you know, through my upbringing and different, like, I was really trained to, you take what you're given and you like it and you lump it, you know, <laughs> it's like, get on with it, eat what you're given. And so I have to say, like, I can see sometimes there can be some confusion there, a little, you know, image pop, or memory popped into my mind in regard to this, so, okay, here you are. Um, 
second year of university, I was at university, and you know, for most of that year, I made I I made do with a duvet that was not long enough. <laughs> you know, it just either didn't cover my feet or it it kind of left my shoulders sort of cold, and I, it's popped into my mind, and I thought, wow. You know, I, I would see that now as kind of unskillful, whereas I didn't quite know what was going on for me at the time. But it's that sense of, it, it's not about kind of aban- abandoning ourselves to conditions that we could, through a kind of skillful sense of, of, of kindness, you know, we could do something about. So it feels really important, a kind of caveat for this, that contentment doesn't preclude wise action. I think this is really important. And as I feel that, almost a fear, well, you know, if I become content, I just will never do anything and I won't care about anybody. I'll let the world can go to rack and ruin. Oh, no. No, it's actually once the energy is more withdrawn from the processes of craving and trying to get and (laughs) it's released and more available for, you know, caring and responding because we're not so caught up in trying to get it for me, you know. Um, hmm. Where's I going with that? Um, oh, I've lost my thread. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, so, so maybe that's enough on that. It was just maybe to try and highlight this. Um, oh, yeah. Another, th- another thought, I don't know if this is helpful, but I was thinking about yeah, our resistance, or what blocks us from being contented. And I'm thinking again, this kind of greed, greed type, aversive type, deluded type, which you may or may not have heard. And don't know, there'll be lots of papancha now in all of your heads. I don't, doesn't need to be. But I think it's quite interesting and helpful. Or it may just be also that if you, like, like if there's greed around, then contentment sounds horrifying. Because then I can't carry on trying to get more. And the greedy part is like, oh, affronted. That can't be right. Yeah? And, and that, so I was just thinking when that maybe the greed is predominant in our, well, a moment or a person. Or, it's like contentment can feel like a, um, hmm, failure. Yeah? Or, and then I was thinking if aversion is very strong, very predominant, it's like contentment, well, that, that lets them get away with it. Let them get away with it. Yeah? Something, I don't know, there's just something in there for me, an understanding what it is that is maybe fearful or thinking, you know, contentment, what that means. And I can't do my aversive bit. If I'm content, I can't grumble so much <laughs> or at all. Well, I'm, I'm so used to grumbling. I'm so used to feeling that sense of things not being quite right. And, you know, that's maybe hard to give up, even with the suffering with it, because it's such a habit. 
And I was thinking maybe the de- in the delusion, in that sort of not really knowing quite what's going on, and maybe floating in the cloud of our own personal world, our own kind of, you know, personal fantasy life is somehow more more pleasant than being content with things as they are, because, you know, that is going to include things that are maybe difficult, not just lovely. Hmm. So I wanted to mention the the Buddhist teachings on the, the four great contentments, which were taught, and as far as I can pick up, as part of the grad, grad, grad or graduated monastic training, after refuges and precepts and before mindfulness and samadhi. So I just say like, there it is, and it comes up again and again, and they are the. The teaching is to to the bhikkhus and to us, particularly on retreat, I think where we have this quasi sort of monastic situation, is to be content with um, food, lodging, shelter, food, lodging, clothing, any or none. <laughs> and I think that's where you realize the Buddha is pointing to something kind of a bit radical here. None? <laughs> you know, and, and, and uh, you know, it's, it's something about how do, we, how do we connect with that sense of, wow, what would it be? What would it mean for me in my life to be, to, 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 this, to be content with the clothing I have, you know, the food that's offered, that the lodging that there is, of wherever we are, here, elsewhere, there's something that we can practice there. We can learn, we can kind of have that, we can can sort of take that on in our own way to explore. And the fourth one, which I think is lovely, is contentment in the cultivation of wholesome states. I thought that's nice imagining, you know, maybe the, the bhikkhus or the bhikkhunis in the early in their training and they're like, it's like, and for us to feel that contentment in, ah, you know, just being able to be here and cultivate mindfulness and kindness and patience and all this good stuff. That just that, do you hear that? It's like it's so um, not about what we've, you know, done what we're going to do and what we've achieved and what's not, <laughs> what we're not cultivating or, you know, it's like, oh, wow, just being here and just that possibility of being content, contented, of having that, in having that opportunity to, to cultivate. So I want to read you something about the Buddha. In in relation to this, he said, Just as a bird flies with its wings as its only burden, so too a bhikkhu becomes content with robes to protect his body and with alms food to maintain his stomach. He experiences within himself a bliss that is blameless. That's beautiful. 
So already kind of touching on this force of, of craving that we that we that we experience as as human beings and the central part of the teaching, the second noble truth, that we're invited to really understand and inquire and and this sense, yeah, big topic, but just to be able to practice with some of those smaller, you know, cravings that can come up on retreat, you know, come up in our life. And that I feel like every time you can have that experience of feeling that with the kamatanha, the the, 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 the thirst for some sense pleasure, you know, sense that every time you actually you've probably all had this experience you see it arise it's like i really want you know why you know and then what happens how wonderful it is when you when you see it through and you see it arise and you see it pass and i feel there's something so empowering about that and to me it's one of the key ways of practicing with with craving in in that on that level of seeing that in our own minds, and recently, I'm not on retreat. I had an experience of this. I was in Maine, snow, mountains, and the thought occurred: downhill skiing, which I have not done for 15 years, and used to have huge pleasure in. And it just, you know, I just like for a, I'd say it was a few hours of one particular day. It it what kind of took over it just was this yes we wonder and it would be so healthy and it would be good for me and you know and only a day and you know that would be okay and and then I spent time on the internet finding all these different places I could go we could go and and it was really interesting because all the time it was happening I was really aware of that you know the way craving it just gets really bright and shiny and has fairy dust on it and it's like you know it's, oh yeah and it's so convincing and you're really in there and it's completely true and justified and fine and you know wholesome and, you know or maybe there's a bit of you that's anyway in this care on this occasion like the mindfulness was sort of there and I was really aware and I was sort of letting it play out a bit and was interesting to see what happened was it it did arise and pass that that there was a sense where at some point I realized this is going to be a lot of trouble and expense, <laughs> and there's snow right outside the back door and so i and I had snowshoes doing snowshoeing just around the property and i I started to feel how lovely it was to be, yeah, it would be great, it would be good, it'd be lovely and was just that ah oh, I can let go I can let go I don't have to go and enjoy myself you know can you get that sometimes if I ought to go and you know enjoy myself and so just a little example and 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 probably you can think of many on retreat I just want to make a very unsavory example but I think it, it's 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 just maybe on retreat we get yogi mind you know we get very like a lot you know of energy around this one thing and it's like what it becomes this big thing you know wonderful stories you probably will. I know lots of stories we could spend all the rest of the evening telling yogi mind stories 
Um, but maybe just two. Um, actually, one I love from down the hill here years ago that you probably know about the light bulb wars. It's one of my favorite Yogi Mind stories of, of, of the down where the bowling alley is. If you, you probably, and if you all know the IMS center, and there's where you do walking meditations, bowling alley. And so, as I understand the story, uh, there was a light on. Somebody switched it off. And then it was switched on again. <laughs> and there was all this going on. And I don't know, I can't remember the details. Sorry, I'm not great on details, but it may have been notes flying back and forth. I'm not sure. Interviews, possibly. You know, group meetings, teacher meetings, high-level meetings, I don't know. <laughs> policy formulation, policy reformulation. <laughs> no. Phone the president. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then somebody took the light bulb out. <laughs> I just love that. I just love that. And actually, I don't know what the end of the story is. I don't know whether the light bulb was found or, you know, the teacher made an announcement. <laughs> Whoever put, took the light bulb, will you please put it back? <laughs> I love that story. You know, and we all, we all have been there, haven't we? And this is the one other story around food, because... And actually, this is personal. It's also very recent. You know, I teach so it was years ago when I was around. This is last year for me. You know, so it's like, you know, it's still going on. There were these absolutely, phenomenally gorgeous, delectable-looking cinnamon rolls that were put out on that table. Yes. And for some, point, for some reason, I just, my mind just went, oh, my God. Oh my god! I've, and then this whole thing, like I've got to have two. <laughs> How can I get two? <laughs> and you know, this whole like you know, slow motion, sort of walking very slowly towards the table. Like, How the hell am I going to do this? <laughs> you know, I've got to, I must be seen to do it. And you know, it's like, how am I going to do this? You know, quick intelligence kicks in. And and then approaching the table and trying to stay calm, stay calm, stop drooling, you know. <laughs> anyway, so approaching and then calmly being able to take one cinema roll. And, and I won't go through the whole thing, but it's extraordinary, isn't it? Extraordinary. And there's some part of you that knows this is madness, you know. This is, But this is the power of craving. And I think on retreat, you have this opportunity, maybe in small ways, maybe nothing as dramatic as mine. I am prone to a little melodrama, as to be known. Um, but that, that, to see that. And, you know, I, again, I feel like every time you can see something like that through, um, whether or not you take the second role, <laughs> I leave that as a dot, dot, dot question mark for you. Did she or didn't she? Yeah, anyway. Um, that it's it's empowering us to be able to um, have more freedom in our life, isn't it? That to, to not be so driven and dominated by this, but at the same time to not judge ourselves. I feel like this honesty without judgment is crucial. Honesty with humor. This is not a personal failing. It's not a personal failing. This is so important. It's in our personal conditioning, our family conditioning. It's in our culture coming at us, isn't it? Like, you know, amazing. 
and maybe even evolutionarily conditioned. I'm not such an expert on that, but it makes sense to me that it, it is in some way. Okay, so that's the entertainment part over. And I think it's also important in, in that to see how much of a burden it is in our life, a burden it is on our mind, and a burden it is on others, a burden on the planet. And I, contemplating it in that way can also, I think, be a, an encouragement and an inspiration to know how much is enough. How much is enough. And being willing to, to really have the courage to inquire into our lives, you know, inquire into what we are believing that we need so that, so that we can do with less for all our sakes. And I feel like that's one of our sacred kind of duties in a way. That's a heavy word. It's not really meant to be, but it's like, you know, it, it's, it's if we really, if we really want to honor this, this, this um, commitment to non-harming, this commitment and really grow that in our minds and our hearts for our own benefit and the benefit of others. You know, this is one area that we can, you know, we can have courage in to look and to feel the discomfort of that and to make difficult choices sometimes. And there's two beautiful questions that I love one from Christina Feldman and one from Sharon Salzberg. You know, I'm a very, I'm a real magpie. You know, I'm borrowing things and using them from people. But so one is from Christina. The question, which I think is a lovely one to drop into our meditation, is perhaps a, a contemplation. Is what in this moment is truly lacking? Yeah. Again, I don't know how that strikes you. For me, that's, that's a real kind of koan or sort of, well, just deepening kind of uh, supportive as well as challenging quality in that. What in this moment is truly lacking? And part of why that's so important, I think, is isn't it that, again, it's for you to look into your own experience and see that somehow in the in the heart of all of our cravings, our desire for, our desire to get rid of, you know, our wanting to be someone else, to be better than we are, or our desire to shrink away and disappear and not exist, all of these, these three kinds of cravings, that somehow they all kind of rest on this, this view of, of, again, what Christina calls uh, a belief in insufficiency, that I am not enough. Right? Somehow, you know, this not good enough, don't have enough, am not enough. And how that, that is such a key part of what drives all of those, all of these different forms of craving. So just to inquire into that and to be able to, again, bring mindfulness and investigation to these, this more maybe underlying kind of sense or view that can be there. I haven't got enough. You know, we're all like hungry ghosts walking around. You know that? Hungry ghosts. And like really like acknowledging that. And acknowledging that sort of yeah, that's knowing that. 
Um, so, hmm, let's see how we're doing. Hmm. So maybe just one or two more things. And I'm thinking about, you know, what we cultivate. There's three kind of key qualities that seem to me particularly um, supportive uh, conditions to the arising of contentment. And they are renunciation, generosity, and gratitude. So maybe just to, you know, touch on a little bit. I mean, the renunciation part, obviously on retreat, we really have that, that it's when we give something up, when we draw a line and we say, I will not do that, that we have this opportunity to see, feel, know the push. Yeah, go on, just a bit, go on. <laughs> so that the power of renunciation, uh, really supporting wisdom, and then as we you know, as again, as that letting go can happen and, and we start to taste the joy and as the Buddha says, the bliss of, ah, of not being hooked into the cravings. It's not the thing. That's, that's not the issue, is it? It's not the cake or the bun or the skiing. It's this power of craving that we really, is really entrapping us and uh, limiting our freedom and uh, limiting our choices. So renunciation, being able to very, you know, to, to willingly say yes. So we make that, we don't just take it as a boundary. Someone else is giving us a go, they say, I can't do that, so all right, I can't do it. Well, mm. It's not that, is it? I mean, we do that too, of course, that goes on. But what we're talking about here is when we take it and we say yes, and we write, okay, I'm honoring this, and then we see really more and more clearly what 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 happens you know what happens when when that we start to yeah well you know but I you know and it really and I really need and it really sh you know and they should and but it's you know and and then being able to have that wise discernment because sometimes you need to go do something so this isn't about no I mustn't do it full stop you know it's more like inquiring into What's really going on here? What's really happening here? That sort of deepening honesty. Again, honesty without judgment. Just, oh, let me, I want to understand this. And just, yeah. So, generosity. And again, you know, it's kind of very interesting, obvious in one level, but you know when you, you want something or you're kind of holding on to something, you know you've probably all had that experience and you, you give it instead. Doesn't that feel good? I mean, beforehand, you're like, no, I can't give. You know, but then we give and it's like, ah, oh, it feels so good. And I think that's something really important about generosity is, is, is really, it's feeling how good that feels. You know, not missing that part. Again, it's some of the wonderful work that Rick Hansen has done in Buddha's brain and really the, the, the skillfulness of ah, oh, no, kind of taking in the goodness and the good feeling in our wholesome actions, and the wholesome actions of others as well, of course. But that seeing that, seeing that, oh, that comes forth. And again, we could probably spend the rest of the evening telling lovely generosity stories that well, we've been on the receiving end, and we've we've given, and how much um, 
when we when we when we give something away there is a sense of having more you know it's that again my magpie mind james james Barras in his wonderful you know the the happiness and joy book awakening joy and he talks about this um, abundant enoughness which is kind of you know this another phrase that may may resonate for some where we it's almost like in giving you 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 have more so it's undermining the sense of lack which again isn't it it's a really key part of the feeling i can't be content because i haven't got i haven't got enough i just i have to get more i have to you know kind of hoover up the universe <laughs> because i it's like i haven't got enough and it's like amazing thing of offering and serving and sharing, isn't it? So just for you to sort of see in your own experience if that's true for you. And gratitude. I mean, again, I don't know about for you, but I'm just amazed at the power of gratitude to, to generate that sense of fullness and contentment and I've sometimes do an exercise with people we won't do here where you get with a friend or a partner and you just tell each other you know what you're grateful for and maybe just spend 10 minutes each or one listens and one and one speaks and then you swap over and it's like every time I've done that people have just been like oh they're just so um moved by now, not this you ought to be grateful, you know, that whole thing certainly is in my, is a, you know, be grateful for what you've got. You know, lots of people haven't got anything, which is actually true, of course, but can feel quite punitive, quite sort of, um, yeah, kind of squashing. But this is, ah, and one, just one more thing on this. Somebody told me a while ago that I, I remember, I think it's so amazing that she did this gratitude practice at the end of every day for one year she wrote down three things in a book that she was grateful for that day and she said that that changed her life just really amazing again the power of what we ponder upon is very significant so lastly um, I just wanted to touch on hmm, something about the uh, simplicity and contentment of just being here that we can find in our meditation or just as we walk around here on retreat in our life. You know, this this. It kind of a skill or you remember to simplify. You know, practice and our life and our mind and there's so much and there's this and there's 59 of those and 16 of these and, you know, <laughs> you know, being able to simplify. And sometimes this being caught up this is this entanglement this entanglement in craving in in you know in, in 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 wanting and all of that and how how 
sometimes, maybe often, what's really needed is something very, very simple, almost a kind of non-doing. You know, it's like, what can I not do here? What can I, it's almost like, okay, stop, stop. And there's two images that I found helpful and just want to share. And one is, you, you probably know this, is from Thich Nhat Hanh, of the image of a stirred up cloudy glass of apple juice that's just placed on the table. This is a story from, you know, and, there, and, a, and it was just left there and it was all cloudy. And then what's in the story again? The child comes back, this old tie, you know, the, after 45 minutes or something that, that the apple juice is clear and the sediment has all settled to the bottom. And it's like, this is like our meditation. There's something about respecting, isn't it? That kind of stillness that we're, we're so, so often what we're asked to do is to relax the doing, relax the doing, less doing, or even non-doing. I want to read you something that Rodney, who's actually on retreat in the house over there. So... Uh, include him in our community. He said, practice takes us through the doing mind into the non-doing of ease and contentment. So, you know, just, again, just as a, as a, as a skillful means or something to contemplate, you know, is there a possibility of um, simplifying? One thing I learned a few years ago in practice that made a very important difference to me was that understanding that happier, calmer states of mind involve less mental activity. I went, oh, really? And that was very important for the deepening of the mindfulness and the concentration that I, I just hadn't, that I was like, oh, I've got to sit here and I've got to get, I've got to get calm and, okay, I've got a body and Vedana and Right, okay, do this and scan the body and like busy, busy, busy. <laughs> well, no wonder it wasn't really going anywhere, you know. And then I, I really got this and I, oh, happier states have less mental activity. Yeah. So just offering that again as part of that, part of our skillfulness where we can settle back. Now, we can learn to maybe access a kind of contentment which is more about being than doing. And again, not as any kind of dogma, right, you know, I'm a being type meditator, or that's what I do, but just to <laughs> do all the other stuff. I'm just into this being, that's what I do. But skillful means to explore and, and especially if we can get if we tend to get very busy in our practice it's like oh and then just trusting trusting learning to trust that maybe for some of us that can take a while it certainly took me a while <laughs> but it's like oh yeah so um maybe i'm coming towards the end of these reflections um hmm so many things I want to share, but maybe, um, maybe I'll close. I'll try and be content with what we've covered.
<laughs> There's a good challenge. <laughs> or as yeah, it comes to mind for um, Ajahn Sichito, some of you know, slightly soon, may we find contentment in the incompletion of our process. Amen. <laughs> no, you don't have to try. <laughs> may we find contentment in the... I've actually got one more little bit to say, to read out. Um, may we find com- mm, completion in the discontentment of our process? <laughs> may we find <laughs> contentment in the incompletion of our process. So I'd like to close with um, one of my favorite uh, quotations that I, I share a lot, which I hope is uh, relevant to our theme. And uh, I'll just close there. And um, <laughs> this is uh, from Ajahn Chah, you know, the great Thai forest teacher and the teacher of so many of our teachers. Try to be mindful and let things take their natural course. Then your mind will become still in any surroundings like a clear forest pool. All kinds of wonderful rare animals will come to drink at the pool and you will see you will clearly see the nature of all things you will see many strange and wonderful things come and go but you will be still this is the happiness of the buddha So let's just sit quiet. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.